Welcome back, everybody. It is I, your lovely locksmith host, Captain Stubbs One, uh, at the Ask a Locksmith podcast. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry for the prolonged, silent absence uh, of this podcast. I initially uh, ran dry on epi- on questions for episodes uh, the first time uh, back in November. I missed an episode. I had came up with an idea to try and interview my boss, a, a little th- you know five question, fifteen minute interview with my boss. Uh, unfortunately, schedule didn't allow that to be come to fruition, and before I knew it, I was past my my normal upload. Um, it, it wasn't long after that that uh, the holidays in life <laughs> began to throw their own curveballs at me, uh, and by the time I knew it, it was the new year, and I was just kind of off the podcasting horse. Uh, I, I really don't have a great excuse other than life kind of happened a little bit, but today I am back on that horse. Uh, I will attempt to get back on my normal bi-weekly schedule that I was on because it's still in my calendar. I know exactly which weeks I should be going uh, and keep this show going. I have more ideas for what to do in other weeks where I am dry on questions uh, and other ideas that don't also involve me trying to schedule things with another person so that even if uh, I have an idea for something and scheduling with another person's difficult I have ideas I can do that I don't need to rely on anybody other than myself for like I was doing for the first eight episodes of this podcast uh it already I'm I'm really terribly sorry everyone I I at the very least if a pause like this has to happen again I will upload a short episode explaining what's happening and maybe how long it will be uh this was impromptu unplanned uh and i apologize for just going radio silent on it throughout that time uh i hope you're all coming back to listen to more episodes because i've got more questions and i'm i'm i hope you have more questions for me i'm I'm happy to answer them people send me those questions at askalocksmithpod at gmail.com uh and i guess that kind of answers a question i got from uh bill trull is, uh, who just wrote me, miss your podcast, is it coming back? Uh, Bill, yes, it is coming back. Here it is. And again, I'm, I'm so sorry for the delay. Um, but I guess that one doesn't really count <laughs> as a first question. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. My real proper first question back comes to me from Anthony Thompson, uh, who writes in, first off, with some very nice feedback. Thank you, Anthony. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad you are enjoying the show. I'm glad you found it bingeable. Uh, you ha- you write me with a thought and a question. So let's do the question first, because that's what this show's all about. Uh, you, your question is, as a locksmith, what are your thoughts on the pros and cons of uh, quote-unquote key-controlled locks? You would list like Primus as an example for regular homeowners. Anthony, that's a wonderful question. Uh, there are a lot of pros and cons to these cylinders across the board, specifically for regular homeowners. There come from there come some uh, more pros and cons to the list because uh, homeowners' needs are not necessarily a commercial business's needs. 
So the first big pro for cylinders like this is that they are a higher quality cylinder. They're manufactured with uh, tighter tolerances, better materials, and more quality control than uh, more inexpensive or common residential cylinders. <sighs> Excuse me, residential cylinders. This is a good thing uh, because a lock with tighter tolerances is more difficult to pick, uh, along with uh, better materials, just a longer lasting lock, and tighter, uh, better quality control, more likely nothing's going to go wrong with the lock. Um, next thing that's another big pro for these is that these cylinders typically can't be bumped open. Uh, in order to bump a lock open, you need to have a key that is that keyway uh, and cut to a certain spec specification. Uh, and if you can't get your hands on the key to make a bump key, then you're not going to be able to bump it open. And those restricted keys are much more difficult to, uh, just to get your hands on, even for a copy, let alone to get a blank cut a certain way. Um, along with actually, especially in the Schlage Primus cylinder, uh, sometimes these cylinders have extra security measures in them. There's a check pin at the back of the Schlage Primus that also helps fight against bump attacks. Um, and is more difficult to pick. Not all um, restricted keyways have that. Uh, some are more basic, but uh, something like the Schlage Primus does have that extra check pin in the back, uh, making things a little more difficult to try and open uh, open the cylinder through uh, uh, criminal means. <laughs> um, and the the other the third biggest pro to these locks isn't. Uh, very security related, but the keys are typically a lot thicker, they're harder, stiffer, they're, uh, there's more grooves in the keyway, so they're uh, typically a lot harder to bend or break, um, which is its own pro or con. If you're someone who maybe forgets your key in the wash, having a key that's harder to break might be a better thing. Uh, but if you're someone who's very, uh, you know, not gentle, but not abrasive with your keys, it's not necessarily a huge issue in the first place. Uh, but I do have to go to jobs for key extraction, so people do break keys off in locks. Uh, the cons for the regular homeowner are that these are more expensive, uh, depending on exactly which kind of system you use, and that's why I talked about some of these like don't have that check pin at the back. Some do. Some have more than just one check pin at the back. Uh, you're looking at anywhere between one and a half times and three times the cost of a more common residential cylinder. Um, the keys themselves are more expensive, so getting copies isn't cheap. Anywhere from two times to uh, like seven times the cost, depending on exactly which system you go with. Uh, it, for example, in my shop, uh, uh, most basic keys cut are two or three bucks. But uh, so, like the restricted keys start in the $6 range and go up to the $25 range, depending on exactly which system you're buying into. So these things aren't necessarily very cheap to get copies of. Getting duplicates can be... Uh, Getting them made in the first place can be a bit of a chore because you either have to go back to the locksmith who originally did the install or the manufacturer of the hardware to get copies made. You're definitely not going down to any hardware store and getting these keys made. And I guess there's a con. This might not be a con to some people. It is something that I think about when I think about these things on the average home. Uh, restricted keyways like this, for the most part, uh, especially the Primus example, uh, they have a stamp on the face of the cylinder. On the very front, there's a little mountain that, that demarks it as uh, as an Everest, a, a Schlage Primus cylinder. Everest is one of the, the subheadings for some of the Primus materials. Some burglars may see that as a reason to think that there's something more expensive locked inside 
because the lock itself is more expensive. It's very subjective. I can't guarantee anyone would think that way. I can't even guarantee the burglars would know what that is. But that is a thought, that, like that's something that I have told my customers before. It's something I have to think about uh, when I'm thinking about restricted keyways. Because um, So for example, you, you restricted keyway, uh, your uh, local locksmith probably has an in-house restricted keyway. We have two of them, for example. Um, and one of them doesn't necessarily have all the same cylinder security measures that the Schlage Primus has or that like a Medico cylinder or an Asa V-Twin cylinder has. Uh, it's it's more or less just a, uh, a standard pin tumbler cylinder, but it's a blank that only we can get like in the tri-state area. Like you'd have to go far out of state to even find this blank somewhere else, um, which is, that's as restricted as it gets. I mean... <laughs> That's that's how the systems work. Um, so it, it, it's it's still harder to pick because it's tighter tolerance. It doesn't have those extra extra security measures, but it also doesn't visibly denote itself uh, to have. It doesn't say Medico above the top. It doesn't have the little Schlage Primus mountain symbol on the face. Uh, so it's it's a way to get a little bit best of both worlds. There's a lot of systems out there. There's a lot of uh, pros and cons to all of these systems and. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard without seeing your exact situation and, and talking with you, uh, at, you know, as a client to tell you what is or isn't right for you. Um, but most of the time, I don't recommend them for my uh, homeowners. Uh, there, there are specific cases where restricted keyways are the answer for the homeowner, uh, but they're, they're more uncommon than common in my experience. Uh, most of the time, I don't rec recommend these for homeowners as they tend to be a little bit overkill. Most burglars aren't going to attempt to pick their way into your home. They're much more likely to attempt a break-in. Uh, so people looking to beef up their security in an effective manner should look at their doors, door frames, and the lock body itself. If your door is very weak, it'll be easy to break in, even if you have a very nice Medico lock on your door, for example. And, uh, and this kind of feeds into your thought, Anthony, uh, possibly video game designers intentionally design the mini games, not 100% realistically. So no one could say the game quote unquote trains criminals. Uh, that's a very solid point, you know, not, not necessarily something I had thought of before. Uh, companies are always out to protect themselves, understandably. And if it's easy to avoid a lawsuit, then might as well avoid it. But, uh, I would then be concerned about the YouTube channels, Bosnian bill and lockpicking lawyer. Uh, two YouTube channels who exclusively pick locks on video with instructions about how they do it. Uh, I think there is a realistic concern about teaching potential criminals this skill. But even with much of this knowledge being publicly available for a long time, most burglars still attempt breaking in over picking a lock. Uh, and this has to do with a couple things. First of all, lock picking is a practiced, practiced skill. Uh, it takes some amount of time to get good at and regular practice to keep, keep skills sharp. <clears throat> I'm out of pra I'm a ugh. I'm out of podcast practice. I can't speak well. <laughs> um, personally, I'm far from an expert picker. Uh, I'm I'm pretty good. I can I can get people in their homes on most occasions, but on many occasions, I've had to admit defeat and drill a lock open. Um, and and two, burglars are for the most part trying hit and run tactics. Breaking a window is a lot more consistent than picking a lock. Uh, so they're a lot less likely to try and pick things, which is why, you know, I, when I say if you're looking for better effective security measures to more effectively secure your home, you want to look at the actual physical security of the door. How strong is the door frame? How strong is the door? How strong is the lock? 
those those are more important things in my mind to think about from a security measure than the cylinder inside the lock. Uh, but these, this was a wonderful question and a very good thought. You know, I, I hadn't thought that some games may have told their their de the, the developers not to make it super realistic so that they're not training anybody. Uh, Anthony, thank you very much for listening. I'm so sorry it took so long to get this answer out to you. Uh, I hope you write again as more things come to your mind in the future. Uh, next up, we have a question from Ian Clark, friend of the show, who writes in, and asks, uh, I live in a 118-year-old home with original locks on nearly all the doors. We have no keys. What do we do? Uh, great job on the 99 Questions podcast. Thank you, Ian. Uh, real quick, 99 Questions podcast hosted by Bob Buell, good friend of mine. I got to be on uh, his podcast. So if you're curious to hear me answer 99 non-lock-related questions, search for 99 Questions on your podcast app. Uh, and search for Ryan Stabell. That's me. Uh, Ian attaches a picture of an old school mortise lock with a warded slash barrel slash bit barrel lever, uh, some sort of mortise body lock. Uh, Ian, you have a couple of options for getting keys for this door. One, you want to look online for a set of skeleton tryout keys. Uh, this will be an assortment of keys that may or may not work. Uh, there are a bunch of different assortments buying on eBay. There's a bunch of rain, you know, you can buy like two keys or you can buy a bulk, like 20 keys. Uh, it's, it's hard to know exactly what's going to work. Um, because a lot of the times this leads into <laughs> number two, you could call a local locksmith to search the, <laughs> to, to bring a set of those same skeleton tryout keys to you and attempt to fit a key there. A lot of the times while you're testing out these tryout keys, you'll find one that gets it technically would get the door open if it were locked shut, but isn't a really properly a working key. And it takes the locksmith filing the flag of the key, which is the piece that uh, rotates while it's in the door and actually does the lock in unlocking. Uh, he has to file that down so that it uh, effectively misses the wards or lifts the levers in the appropriate fashion to actually manipulate the lock properly. Uh, so you might find a key that kind of works, but doesn't really. Um, if you were to just order online, if you call a locksmith to you, if they have that key that kind of works, but doesn't really, they'll file it out and make it work very well, uh, while they're there. Uh, the like option two B is to take the lock out of the door and bring it to your local lock shop. Uh, that'll likely be a little bit cheaper. It'll save you a service call having to send out a locksmith, which is usually the most expensive part of a job. Um, typically depends on exactly what the job is. Something like this, it would be the most expensive part of the job more than likely. Uh, drop off the locks at the shop and uh, at their leisure they'll fit keys for it and, and make it work well and, and give you a call back to come pick it up i don't know how handy you are those technically shouldn't be too difficult to take apart uh but if it seems like it's something you uh, don't want to mess with feel free to have them come out to you uh it's it's not impossible to get keys made for these kinds of locks um but I do recommend calling your lock shop ahead of time and asking if they have those skeleton tryout keys. Um, explain to them how many doors you have. They might want to see pictures, maybe. Because um, not every shop has a very extensive set. I have definitely come across locks like these that I didn't have a correct tryout key for. Um, and at that point, you either have to find another locksmith shop with more tryout keys, or you have to truly get one custom made, which is very expensive. Um, in general, 
the older a locksmith shop is, the more likely they are to have what you're looking for. But that isn't a hard and fast rule. It shouldn't be impossible, but it may be a small chore. Uh, Ian, um, yeah, and that goes for any kind of old school skeleton lock. Uh, Well, bit, warded, barrel, lever. Um, what, What would be opened with what is classically called a skeleton key Uh, If anyone has locks like that that they don't have keys for, you can search around online for a skeleton tryout key uh, and and see if there's anything that may look like uh, it could at least go in. If it can go in, it might turn and open the lock. If it looks too small or too large to to effectively enter your keyhole, then it's obviously not going to be the one. Yeah, that that doesn't look like anything too abnormal, Ian, from what I'm seeing. Uh, so you should be able to find some. It's just how many attempts will it take you to get the right one? Thank you so much for the question, Ian. This is something I do see a lot at work myself. I live in an area with a lot of older homes, so uh, I, I this is in my wheelhouse. In fact, I think I've seen this exact lock before um, because this is a very nicely designed escutcheon plate and, and side plate on these, and that looks very familiar or something very similar to it. I've... I've definitely come across stuff like this before, and I've been able to get keys for it. So it shouldn't be impossible. It's just how long will it take you is, is the real question. How much how much headache do you want to go through to have those keys? Um, and and replacing that with some newer hardware wouldn't be... I mean, it's not impossible, but it, it might be a little difficult um, without uh, a little bit of carpentry work or some cover plates to cover up and fill up some holes. Um, but yeah, I, I say go for the keys. I think, you, I think you'll have luck, Ian. Uh, well, that's it for listener questions for this episode. It is time for Lockpick Review. Well, what a pick upon coming back to this show. Uh, today, I'll be reviewing Lockpicking in Risen 3 Titan Lords, a game I've never played before. I have watched several different lockpicking videos to see the minigame, get a good understanding of it, um, on YouTube, and I gotta say, this one has a decent look. Uh, firstly, the looks, this looks like a very good depiction of a pin tumbler lock cylinder. It has top springs, top pins, and bottom pins that look basically correct. Uh, in, in all reality, the bottom pins would come to some kind of a point instead of being a perfectly flat cylinder top and bottom. Uh, yeah, they'd come to a point at the bottom where it would come in contact with a key, but all in all, looks pretty good. Uh, secondly, locks of increasing difficulty have more pins inside of them, which is correct, but the game takes it a little bit further than reality. Uh, The easiest locks appear to be four-pin locks. I didn't see anything smaller than that. Uh, Four-pin is commonly the smallest. You'll see many of the inexpensive padlocks you see at your local hardware store or your local Walmart are probably four-pins. Hardware store might have some that are five-pins. But certainly Walmarts are mostly four pins, unless they get to the really tiny padlocks. Those might be like three pins, two or three pins. Um, uh, but I also have seen locks in that mini game with up to ten pins, which is pretty much unheard of. Uh, most common, most common household locks have up to six pins. Uh, most commercial locks can have up to seven pins, but ten is not impossible. But it is beyond uncommon. It, uh, This is because each extra pin inside of a lock means a longer and longer key, and the longer the key gets, the more likely it is to bend or break. Um, So it just be it's it 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 goes back to that thing I talked about earlier with control keys being a little bit thicker and stiffer. 
you know, if more keys were thicker, you might be able to get away with more pins, but you're also not necessarily getting a lot of uh, bang for your buck past six pins, uh, in in my opinion. I, I know of very, very, very few locks that use more than seven, uh, and the only reason those locks use seven is because they are, like, strictly used for commercial purposes. They're the best IC core cylinders. Um and best like IC core cylinders. Uh, they're strictly for commercial purposes. And well, I guess I've seen them on residences, but they're that that's really not what they're supposed to be used for. Uh, and they, they have they they all have like some form of master key system. So, you know, they when businesses send them out, you see them a lot in chain stores because they're easy to swap out and it's easy to send a lockout and say, okay, this like district manager will be able to get into all of these no problem. This manager will be able to just get into his store, but not their store. Uh, and, you know, there's there's a very intense master system, master keying system to these, and they all have their. So you change these locks, you change those best locks by using a key. Uh, so one of the ways you can cut the key doesn't actually work the lock; it just lets you remove the cylinder. So you need that seventh pin just for math. You need more pins. <laughs> to be able to make all those extra keys that do work it. Uh, but they are common to break uh, because of that. They're just longer. Um, the the pick they depict in the game is is a pretty sharp and steep hook to pick with, but it's not impossible. Um, the game doesn't show a tension wrench, but it does imply that one is there as the cylinder turns during the attempt. Uh, the biggest error here, in my opinion, is that the keyway which is uh, the angled grooves on the side of your key that match the cylinder, let it go into the face of the lock. Uh, it's just a round hole, as far as I can tell. This would mean a non-functioning pin tumbler lock, more than likely. The keyway needs to be able to apply an amount, a small amount of rotational force on the cylinder to open the lock. If it was round, you wouldn't be able to apply any leverage to the cylinder and open the lock. Classic skeleton keys are round, but the round section doesn't do the actual opening. The, and closing of the lock, the flag at the tip does, the big flat part. So you need, you need something to be able to, to add that energy, and there's just no way to do it with a perfectly round keyway. Overall, as far as minigames go, I think this is a pretty good depiction of a pin tumbler lock, all said and done. Uh, the detriments are really just some of the locks have too many pins when you get to the most difficult ones. And the keyway thing, which is, is it's, it's something that could easily be brushed off and forgotten, but I noticed immediately. <laughs> um... So overall, I'm going to give Risen 3 Titan Lords lockpicking minigame 3.5 out of 5 pins for realism. That brings us to the end of another episode of Ask a Locksmith. Uh, thank you, everybody, for staying with me through my long hiatus. I promise to not let it be that long again. And if it is going to be that long again, I promise to at least upload something short, letting you know what's going on and why I won't just do it silently. Uh, I, I suppose if you really wanted to, you could check me out on Twitter. I'm at Captain Stubbs one. I know I don't really use the thing. Maybe I'll post there though. If I ever need to go on a long pause again, <laughs> um, I'd like to thank our sponsor Ratcliffe lock and safe. Uh, I'd like to thank the people in places that make the show happen at clobbering time on Twitter. That's time. The herb, uh, go give Alex a follow. He's a wonderful dude. And I want to thank him so much for the show's wonderful art anchor.fm for hosting and distributing this show for me for free uh bensound.com for the royalty free music throughout the show and of course 
you, the listener. Thank you for checking out the show. I'll be back in two weeks to talk locks once more. Until then, bye bye